Unfucked is the podcast trying to unfuck things in the uh, political landscape and beyond, which um, it's been been quite a week in the political landscape of uh, this country of ours. Um, I'm Gunner, and I'm joined by Laugh. Laugh, how you doing? Hang in there, brother. That's all we can Roll, do. Rolling through another weekend, right? Yeah, that's it. And quite the week it has uh, it has been. Um, we were talking a little bit before uh, we started how we were going to roll into it. Of course, the Supreme Court's uh, reversal of Roe v. Wade um, happened, I guess, this past Tuesday, was it? Was it Wednesday? No, no, it was Friday. Oh, it was Friday? Okay, it already feels like it's been a week. So this is pretty fresh. We're recording on a Sunday. You sent me several articles about this um, that we're going to talk about. Um, but of course, your background in law, um, I'm anxious to get your opinion on uh, several things. So I guess we'll start um, by talking about the Supreme Court justices, the conservative ones that came in and uh, made this possible over the past few years. Yeah, you know, um, it, it, in one of our shows, I know we discussed the fact that, you know, it's hard to govern alongside uh, a counterparty when the counterparty's only interest really is in, in, you know, power for power's sake. And this is the culmination of that. Um, if you think about where we are with our current 6-3 alignment, uh, you know, we had Justice Antonin Scalia die during the 2016 election cycle. And Mitch McConnell, who is the uh, Darth Vader of power wielders in Washington, uh, you know, came up with this scheme to hold open that seat and not um, even consider anyone for that position. He said that he announced a new rule that no one had ever heard of before and doesn't exist in the history of this country that a Supreme Court justice position would not be considered during an election cycle. And the reason that he wasn't going to consider it had nothing to do with that rule. That was just the excuse he made up. It was because there was a concern that if Antonin Scalia were replaced by someone who was not an arch conservative with the balance of, of power might tilt five, four towards um, less conservative judges. Let's just put it that way, because mm -hmm. most all judges are conservative by nature. Right. So we had this whole fiasco of uh, President Obama nominating a gentleman, some people may know, named Merrick Garland, who had been a district court judge and uh, had been nominated to the District Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, which is always considered one of the potential stepping stone circuits to the Supreme Court. Um, and the interesting thing is that Eric Garland had been promoted from the bench at you know, the district court, which you would call the trial court level, to the appellate court level, the circuit court level, on a something like a 99 to 0 vote. Yeah. In other words, no one had any opposition to the guy. And that had occurred within six to nine months of when Justice Scalia unexpectedly died. So Obama puts up a man who had no opposition merely a few months earlier. Mm -hmm. he's, he's no ideologue. He was known as middle of the road, uh, a law follower, not a lawmaker. Um, and couldn't even get a meeting, couldn't get a hearing, couldn't get consideration. Yep. And uh, that that started this fiasco we've dealt with. Um, then, of course, you know we so we take uh, Merrick Garland, who's uh, in no one's pocket, very middle of the road, looking for the right answer. We replace him with Justice Neil Gorsuch after President Trump is elected. It's the very first uh, thing they do. Yeah, and then uh, you know we come along and we have another justice leave the court and we get Brett Kavanaugh who timing wise was in a part of President Trump's uh, uh, part of his uh, tenure where he should have got consideration he got consideration, he got nominated mm -hmm. despite the allegations that he 
may have uh, potentially sexually assaulted someone when he was in high school. Right. Uh, but that's beside the point. That was hashed out in her decisions were made. Votes were taken. He he was nominated. Um, and so uh, he's there, I think, fairly. And then you had uh, a situation with Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away right at the end of Donald Trump's term. Yeah. And suddenly that same rule that Mitch McConnell had announced merely four years earlier uh, could not be found. There's now no need to consider uh, the outcome of the election. There was only time to ram through uh, someone who was going to be extremely uh, conservative and partisan as quickly as possible. Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. And so we were left with Amy Coney Barrett, um, who was confirmed in one of the tightest windows ever for a Supreme Court justice. Right. And um, I, I have some personal opinions that I'll keep to myself about Miss Amy, Mrs. Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, she's known to be affiliated with a fringe group of the Catholic Church. <laughs> That has always advocated sort of women staying in place, even though she is a successful professional woman, um, known to be anti-abortion. Right. Um, and we, so we get her on the bench, and, and so now we have um, six, three judges appointed by Republican presidents. And since 1973, you know, the litmus test of a conservative or a Republican appointed judge is that they be pro-life or whatever the hell that's less you mean. Anti-abortion, I think, is probably the better way to say it because right. we all know that Republicans uh, legislate like uh, life begins at conception and ends at birth, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But... Um, you can argue that two of those three appointments were stolen from the people by the machinations of Mitch McConnell and Republican senators who were more than willing to go along with him, mm-hmm. which, again, is naked power for power's sake. And Yeah, that's the uh, thing. I don't think— very, very damaging to the notions of representative democracy. I don't think they, it ha- they have any— uh, pro, the pro-life thing, I don't think they actually are. I, you're right. It's just about who can have the most power and live in the nicest houses and go to the nicest schools. Um, well, you know, the other thing that's very troubling to me about the modern Supreme Court, um, you know, somewhere along the way we decided the only people who were qualified to be on the Supreme Court are people who went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Fuck Harvard. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every harbor scalp I put on the wall in the courtroom, you know, we could have a nice steak dinner tonight. <laughs> Harvard doesn't make you special. Harvard means you've got money and connections. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And that's kind of fucking scary in and of itself because after all, what part of America believes that the elitist assholes that go to Harvard University Law School have anything in common with working people in this country or people who didn't grow up with trust funds or aren't doused in white privilege and set on fire. Right. Yeah. They, they, they have their own little club. Um, and, and we're, I've been in it. Yeah. I actually been in the Harvard club in New York city at the invitation. Oh, there's a, there's a, alums. there's a physical club. I was thinking more. There's actually it. a physical Harvard club. It's I actually about aware. five stories and some very expensive real, real estate in New York city. And, uh, all the alumni, of the crimson can gather there. And there's even a few rooms there. They're like hotel rooms. If you need to spend the night, there's a full gym, My a full gosh. restaurant, full bar, full library. It's a very nice facility. I had a complete tour from one end to the other. I'm super nice place. I didn't I, even know things like that existed. I, I'm like just that. learning about that right now. So they have a physical club they can go to and talk about how how glorious they are. Um, That's right. Well, you know, New York City, one of those places you got to go to get the money uh, when you become a crimson alum. So. Well, that's uh, even more upsetting. 
Um, so uh, that exists. But yeah, why can't we uh, get people on these courts that say went to a, I don't know, an accessible college for uh, most people? Um, well, you know, it, it's the, the notion that you can only go to one law school to be qualified for spring courts. It's more or less insulting. Um, you may you not know, know it's, but it's so, uh, and, and really, probably in the last hundred years, I got. You know, maybe with the exception of uh, the Warren Court, I think uh, Justice Warren himself might have been a Michigan man okay. uh, and a former politician. But I think outside of the Warren Court, um, let's see, I think Hugo Black, who was from Alabama, I think he went to Alabama's law school. Mm-hmm. But uh, very... I know in my lifetime, I don't uh, if there's been if there's been a justice appointed who went to law school anywhere than Harvard or Yale, I'm at a loss to remember it. They don't even let Princeton in. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Well, again, the the name of the game is uh, they keep power, they keep their uh, physical and metaphorical club going, and and we all suffer. What's been um, Really troubling, I've been glued to the news all week and just kind of following Twitter, is the divide is so far, and you try and think of common ground that, I was talking to someone the other day, um, and you and I may, may have said this before, but the hallmark of a good compromise is that no one's happy, right? That's what we should look for. Everybody ought to be a little pissed off at the end of a good compromise, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just was thinking about, like... People are just so um, opposed to one another. I, I'm trying to think of a way that a compromise could could happen, and I, I think I think it'll get worse before it gets better because we go into uh, the fall for the midterms, and I think um, I think the Republicans are going to do really well, and I think that's going to really irritate the left, and I think things escalate from there. Well, uh, two schools of thought. Um, you know, there is the, the school of thought that this whole issue was, you and I mentioned before, it's been a, uh, it's a place where Republicans have found, well, let's call it 30 to 40% of the country, um, you know, whatever percentage of the, the vote you would count as part of the modern evangelical church movement. Right. Um, as they proved for Donald Trump, they were willing to overlook anything with respect to character character flaws or failures as, as a human being as long as they promised to appoint Republican judges, right? Right. And, um, you know, anti-abortion judges. And so, um, you know, we overlooked a man who, by no stretch, was deserving of anyone's support who claimed to be operating from a place of faith um, for that one issue. Mm-hmm. And he was true to his word. He did do that. Um, and, you know, all the attendant nightmares that have flown from his involvement in politics haunt us to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we, you know, um, there's a school of thought out there that this is a situation where the dog finally caught the car, right? Yeah. Um, this has been uh, something that motivated and amplified a, a group of conservative voters. And now they have their wish. Yeah. And, you know, usually when people have their wish granted on something like this, there is that sense of relief. We did it, right? Right, right. And then for people who truly are one issue, um, they have slain their dragon and it is time to rest and time to relax. And so the question becomes how many people who were solely about that single issue will remain engaged 
right. um, on a national level with the fervor that they once had. Yeah. Um, and, and that obviously is yet to be seen. But there's certainly a school of political thought that um, that this decision and this court has poured gasoline on the fires of everyone who opposes this country becoming a religious theocracy headed by corporate America and the rich and nine unelected people who have lifetime appointments to a bench. Mm-hmm. And when I say nine, I really should say six. Um, yeah. You know, the, you know, there, there's two things about the decision that, you know, if you could take people at their word and what they wrote meant anything they say this is a very limited ruling it only addresses this issue of abortion this issue should be addressed on a state by state basis and people should you know enter the public discourse and and advocate for their position and seek a solution at their state level um and they also were very quick to point out so many times that it became hard to accept as true that, that this did not have anything to do with the decisions that, that were based upon the same core legal principle that address uh, who you may sleep with, what type of intercourse you might engage in. Right, right, right. And who you might marry, who you might cohabitate with, whether or not you are free to choose to use contraception or not, Mm -hmm. um, whether you might marry someone of another race or not. Um, All of those decisions are in play by applying the same rationale that was applied to make this decision. If the American Constitution does not protect a person's right to control their own body, then we have never needed an amendment worse in the history of the United States than we do at this very instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I personally, I think, said this before when we had a conversation when we first heard the whiff that this was coming this way I personally do not favor I'm not an, I'm not an advocate of abortion um, personally very pro-life um, but what I advocate more is the fact that, that uh, having lived my life long enough to have, have dealt with people who've been in that cauldron I, I, I more forcefully advocate that it is a decision that does not belong to me unless it involves my intimate partner or my family member right. who come to me for advice. I, I don't believe the government has any place in it. Absolutely. I could not and, agree with you more. Go ahead. Uh, I could not agree with you more. That's what I've always told people. I mean, I, I, I like you, do not like abortion. Um, I certainly don't like that it could be used as a method of birth control, but I would express that opinion to a significant other that I might have accidentally impregnated um, or um, someone, like you said, in my family that that I, I would advocate for them to, uh, to carry to term if it was safe. Um, but at the same point, you know, a lot of states... Um, right now, rape is not, uh, if, if you get raped and get pregnant, uh, you, you're out of luck, which that, that was the most astonishing thing to me because I, I think I might advocate, I, I'm, I'm overusing the word advocate, uh, I think I might uh, be, be 
more apt to listen to someone who was raped that wanted an abortion. That seems reasonable to me. Um, it wasn't their choice. It wasn't consensual. Now it's still not their choice. That's kind of that's kind of fucked up. Well, and beyond that, um, you know, there's, you know, there were a number of states that had pre-passed something called trigger laws, which said that in the event the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, that this law will spring into being. Right. Um, and a number of those states, um, you know, a number of those states have, um, you have a certain segment of their elected officials who started doing backflips on Friday when this was published. Um, and, you know, I saw where Ken Paxton, who was a Republican attorney general of Texas, who's under indictment for multiple indictments, including committing fraud against people, uh, part of securities transactions. You know, he gave the entire Texas attorney general's office the rest of Friday off to celebrate Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, and... You know, he was one of those people who was quoted as saying, we're coming after birth control next. Um, Ooh, that's bad. Uh, no, I'm just reacting. I'm gasping. I didn't know that was a real thing. I didn't know that was a goal of uh, some of the far right. Well, and, you know, that's the funny thing is that the majority who wrote this, this Hobbes opinion, as I said, many, many, many times reiterated very forcefully that they were not uh, at all seeking to uh, challenge the underlying rationale for Obergefell, which allowed people to marry a member of the same sex. They, they were not challenging Griswold, which allowed people to buy contraception. Um, they were not challenging. Um, I think the other case was Goings, maybe, but it was a case that said that same-sex sexual relationships could not be criminalized. Mm-hmm. Um, see, a lot of people forget. It was the fucking 80s before the Supreme Court ruled that the states could not criminalize what was called sodomy, right? which is oral or anal sex. Anything outside of missionary, almost. As we said the other day, half-ass joking, and the sad thing about it is, is the 80s were my teenage years, okay? <laughs> so I was <laughs> very much aware of these decisions as a teenager because, you know, the, my children's generation has never heard these jokes, but there used to be jokes in movies all the time about, they would say things like, well, what we did last night's illegal in 38 states. That's right. Yeah, that's like right. That. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very funny back in the day because it was fucking true. And there's still laws on state books. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, there absolutely are the, the laws that were on the books at that time for the most part uh, have not been taken out of the books because the Supreme Court's rulings are just not enforced right um, and, and you know uh, my, my own home state of Alabama uh, it's 1901 constitution is full of all kinds of racist language that was in effect overruled by Supreme Court decisions and honestly, the underpinnings of many of those same decisions on civil rights and segregation are at, at issue by applying the logic that, that this group applied in this case. Um, you know, one of the craziest things that, that I saw was that they said, you know, um, if the law if the right wasn't recognized at the time the 14th Amendment was adopted, 
that it, it couldn't be properly recognized as a right by the current Supreme Court. And as the quote unquote, you know, uh, devil horn and tail pitchfork holding, you know, liberal democratic judges wrote, um, it's a pretty good reason women's bodily autonomy was not discussed as a right in 1868. Because in 1868, women's bodily autonomy was not respected at all by men. They were considered to be more or less the property of their husbands, but no legal existence outside their husbands. Right. Women of America... Would you like to go back to not having any legal rights or existence outside of your marriage? All your rights and powers to go and work and transact business and make decisions. And own property. Own, own homes, have retirement accounts, uh, you know, have your, buy your own vehicles. Um, you know, would you like that to all be based upon your having your husband's approval? What about all the single women in this country that are adults nowadays that have to make their own decisions? Yeah. Do you, do, would you like to have to go be yoked to some half-wit guy just so you could have a legal existence of your own? I mean, how fucking asinine that you can't recognize the difference the obvious fucking difference between a time when women were not recognized to have their own legal rights. Hell, women didn't even have the right to vote in 1868. And that three years past the fucking Civil War. Yeah. And and all of um, all of that wasn't that long ago. We, we have this way of thinking that this was in this distant past that... Uh, but no, it, I mean, we're talking maybe five generations ago. Um, uh, let, me, let me think back, just so to put it in my perspective. So my grandfather was too young to fight in World War II. So my great-grandfather would have been So it would have been my great, great grandfather who was alive during the Civil War. Your great, great grandfather. That's that's not that far removed. And I'm trying to think of mine. That's right. And trying to think of mine. Uh, so I had several, of course, uh, relatives who fought in the Civil War. So father, grandfather, great grandfather, great grandfather. That's four generations. Let's see. The only one I can trace with any reliability, I have my mom, my mom's father, his father, and then his father fought in the Civil War. So what is that? Uh, mom. Four generations. Four generations, yeah. So, um, so we are the fifth generation since the passing of the 14th Amendment. But yeah. four generations ago, women didn't have the right to own property in their own name, didn't have the right to vote in their own name. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the right, I don't really think they had the right to contract in their own name. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want to ask about birth control too, because that, that to me is, is a very scary thing. Um, and you'll probably know. I was in the 60s. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Like when, when and that Griswold, the Griswold decision, I'm pretty sure was in the 60s. Um, and it was illegal uh, before that? It, it was, a state had the right to make it illegal. I see. For that. I see. Well, that's terrifying. Um, I, uh, I'm very fortunate in my life that birth control existed. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's been times I've been very fortunate that the uh, morning after pill existed. Um, not that I advocate uh, unsafe behavior. It's just, you know, there have been times in my life I have not been safe. And um, do you think... Well, and, you know, and here's the thing. Let's, you know, you can, let's take this to another level. You know, 
Um, I, I read an article by this lady who's taken victory laps as the person who drove this decision who got President Trump to commit to appoint, you know, anti-abortion judges to the Supreme Court. And she got this victory lap softball interview on some station. I wish we could interview her. Um, She literally um, thinks that people who are... um, don't think men should be telling them what to do with their uterus uh, means that that, that those people think that we should have unlimited abortion right up to the moment before birth, right? Okay, yeah. Um, She is also one of those persons who believes that the moment of conception there that's alive right mm-hmm. so in her mind your morning after pill scenario is a murder yeah see that's what i'm afraid of uh, right and so and so just as she condemns the other side of the issue for basically claiming they seek to engage in infanticide um she believes that if a woman's period is late, she shouldn't be able to go take a pill to cause her period to start, even before she has any possible knowledge that she is pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we are, um, you know, we're in a situation where, uh, you have some uh, very, very, very uh, weird uh, people heading up this issue. And, and, you know, this lady thinks that, that this is going to be what 50 states and the U.S. territories want is, you know, no uh, options for birth control or I mean no options for abortion of any type at any time even when it's something as simple as the morning after pill um, it, it, it's scary because uh, we're really you know it, it makes you wonder how far we are removed in their thinking from women going to jail because they have a miscarriage well i mean it it can it, it can go off the rails pretty quick i can in my lifetime i never thought i'd see roe overturned um that just was just a fact of life i mean it was it, it, it was the early 70s right when that came into pass so my entire life roe was 73 griswold the, the uh contraception case was 65 yeah i looked it up while we were chit-chatting on that but yeah I knew it was in the 60s and of course Obergefell just just 2015 so you know that that ain't even got baby powder on its ass as far as the judicial decision you know that ain't even had a diaper change yet so um, yeah you know that that's a situation where what most of us understand in modern America is our way of life if we're under 60 these yahoos um, uh, they, they would like to take us back apparently to sometime before 1860 from what I can tell uh, you know if you take these people that were um, you want to go back to the 1850s um, I'm not sure we might not be going back to the 1350s if some of these folks have their way um, yeah you know it, it, it it's about one cunt hair from a handmaiden's tail right now. I think we're also pretty close to, I don't know if it'll be physical civil war, but I think civil war should be talked about. I mean, we're things are tense. Um, 
there, I, I, so I went on Twitter the other night and I saw a few people tweeting about secession, mainly on the left. But in any time um, a party gets gets upset, they start talking about seceding. Um, but there were a lot of people talking about it, and that makes me worry about the U.S. dollar, which is I don't know. We're so divided, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, or maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. Maybe there's a, a, a lot of really left-leaning people and a lot of really right-leaning people, and then those of us here in the middle that are just kind of watching everything. I hope that's the case. Well, what we're looking for right now are the adults in the room. Right. There are some people who need to be taken out to the hallway and paddled. Yeah, that's right. And they're on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Um, and and the adults in the room need to step back up and, and take control. Um, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for Little Miss Susan DeAnthony Foundation, whatever the hell her name is, that if she honestly believes the majority of Americans think that something as simple as a morning after pill should be outlawed, um, I mean, one of the things she talked about was that going after companies that might mail the morning after pill into a state where abortion was outlawed. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and the funniest thing about what she wrote was this this idea that there was a seven-point plan. I think they called it her plan. Um that that all these Republican governors allegedly had committed to, uh, where they were going to do all these things for these women who were disadvantaged, who were being forced to bear a child. Um, you know, you don't have to go that damn far back in history to understand what was going on when we didn't have access to abortion at the early stages of pregnancy. Um, and we didn't have access to a morning after pill. Um, what you had was a lot of captains of the cheerleading squad going to a quote-unquote boarding school for a year yeah. to give birth to a child that was then put up for adoption um, and then coming back home and trying to pick up life as if they didn't just give birth and have to have a child taken from them and given up for adoption. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, we had a generation where um, we had this traumatic fall in crime that we've talked about before that academically, sociologically speaking, appears to be tied to the decision that legalized abortion. And now we have an unexplained spike in crime. But I would argue that there is at least some idea, some room for the concept that the demonization of persons seeking abortion and the vitriol towards people who might consider an abortion on quote-unquote pro-life movement um, cause some people to not seek an abortion. Yeah. And, 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 and then we still have the net effect of children who were not properly taken care of, who were not properly parented, who were not truly wanted. Who were abused. Who, who were abused in one way or another, who suffered in poverty, who suffered alone without adult supervision, without proper parental involvement, because those people were too busy trying to survive in this lily-white Republican world we've created where literally the common man and woman have almost no chance to succeed economically yeah. who instead get the opportunity to work themselves in the fucking ground trying to keep a roof over that child's head mm -hmm. who now many of whom are raising children alone 
as single parents yeah. that now we're back to having a generation that is impacted much like previous generations um, you know because we put all this emphasis on bearing children instead of a, an abortion and but we have put no emphasis on providing the services that are necessary for that child to grow up healthy yeah. educated well adjusted uh, properly nourished um you know, proper support system. Yeah. So, um, I mean, certainly I have not done the empirical data, but certainly there's more than anecdotal evidence that, that you could definitely tie the spike in crime to this notion of another unparented generation. One hundred because of the economic struggles that have been associated with broken families, and you know, got news for little Miss Susan B. Anthony, uh, that genie's out of the bottle. That bottle's busted into a million pieces. There ain't enough fucking glue in all of America to put it back together again. Mm-hmm. And you better start looking at things uh, by snatching off those rose-colored glasses and take yes. a look at the real world, not yeah. the one you think you live in. That's right. And then maybe, maybe, just maybe, you might understand why uh, we shouldn't um, create a situation of involuntary servitude on a generation of women uh, because you don't agree with their decisions that you have no more business making than I do. Well, yeah, I mean, it's important in life to understand what is none of your business, right? And what a woman does in any way is none of my business. Um, It's, um, you made such a good point, I forgot mine. Um, Oh, damn it. I had something that could have been halfway profound probably wouldn't have been but it could have been it's out in the ether now that's right <laughs> but um the whole the whole thing is oh i know what i was going to say uh isn't it interesting that uh, all the decision makers on this particular thing are far removed from the um fertile time in their lives uh, with the exception of Amy Coney Bear, okay, who right. has about twenty-three kids, I think. Yeah, yeah she's exceptionally fertile, but uh, yeah. for the most part, it's just the people I see talking about it um, are well past. You know, they're not in their twenties or their thirties um, when when you would be more likely to have kids. So right. they're they're making de- uh, decisions, and, and, but you have to also remember that they're in no way can be considered normal. Uh, Americans in the sense of childbearing decisions. There's no one sitting on the Supreme Court who came out of poverty. With with the exception, possibly, of the lady who was most recently nominated. I don't know enough about her background. This this Katanji Brown-Jackson, I I don't know. Uh, I don't know what her background is or her youth, but uh, you know, I take that back. I think Clarence Thomas made a big production growing up in poverty, but um, clearly uh, he was not in poverty if and when he ever had any children. I'm not even sure he ever had any children. That, um, I don't allegedly, think allegedly the spawn of Satan is infertile, but I, you know, that's just what I've heard. I don't know. I read, um, I read on him one time that uh, uh, he's been married twice, which I didn't know. Um, and there were... Currently married to a fat white woman. So. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and I think he cheated on. Which is one of the reasons he didn't mention probably reversing the loving decision from the fifties, which, uh, yeah, in a blinding flash, the obvious determined that it should be okay to have interracial marriage. That came out of Virginia, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, which yeah. was just as Confederate as Confederate could be, all the way up until the eighties, really. Probably. I would say Southern Virginia is still pretty Confederate from what I've seen. I would say it's uh, 
there's that's like we've said before, there's a lot of people that are not from the South who don't realize that there are a lot of people in the South who still think they're in the Civil War. I would say uh, the case could be made that, it, that it's more than half. I mean, it's it's I, I, growing up, and I, I have so much affection for the South, and um, uh, everyone in my family, of course, fought in the Confederacy. I don't have any Union um, ancestry at all, and and growing up, Yankees a bad word. It is. It's still used quite a bit. I still use. I, I never knew a high school team in the South named the Yankees. No, did you? no, no. Plenty of rebels. No Yankees. Yeah, there's rebels everywhere. It's just. You were like a rebel every other weekend when you played football, you know. Fuck. But uh, no, I mean, Yankee, Yankee's a bad word and still is. Um, I, I said on a previous episode that we are crazy people. And I mean that with a lot of affection and fear. <laughs> but we, we, are, we are nuts. And, and while you're talking about statistics and religion, uh, according to Wikipedia, you know, 23% of the U.S., Right. Yeah, I am in that twenty-three uh, percent. Right. So, but six out of nine of the current Supreme Court members are Catholic. Yeah. Which is uh, sixty-six percent, sixty-seven percent if you round. Which, which is astonishing. Um, and and Joe Biden, you know, is you know what we, well. what we really need. Oh, what we really need are a few atheists uh, who are under 45 on the Supreme Court. So uh, to balance out the numbers of someone who, uh, you know, I've seen a few of those people walking around Portland before, you know, look like it's been a week or two since they took a shower and, uh, you know, (laughs) maybe play with the doobie a little too much. But I know people uh, like that. we We should probably find a couple of folks who are at least agnostic who, maybe went to a night law school or something, you know, and worked their way through law school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'd start with anyone under 50. Let's, let's get anyone under 50 up there. Yeah. Well, we got one. So is, is she really, we got one, unfortunately. Is she really in her forties? I thought she was over 50. I think Amy Coney Barrett is, was 48 and she was nominated. I'm okay. pretty sure she's a little younger than myself. So. All, right. All right. Well, and I'm not sure about uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. I'm not positive on her age, yeah. uh, but she could possibly be under fifty. But I'm not positive. Well, I think the court that we have now, unless they um, uh, add more judges, which hasn't been done since the 1800s, because uh, we started with five and went to seven, I believe, if, if I'm right. Uh, you know, the thing is, it's funny, is that the Constitution is completely silent on the number of judges that would make up the Supreme Court. Right. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, um, y- you know, it, it's, uh, y- you know, immediately what would happen. I mean, it would be an incredible tit for tat. I mean, if, oh, if, the, would, if yeah. the Democrats came up and got control of the, the legislature, whatever, said, you know, you fucked us out of whatever, two seats. Um, so we need five seats to punish you and put you back in the same ratio that you should have been. Well, you know, as soon as Republicans have power, they go, we need 10 seats. And, and yeah, no. you'd be looking around for all, there'd be 300 Supreme Court justices. Um, That's a, it'd be a new uh, Congress. Literally, and, and and you know, um, but what could be done? I think in some instances, maybe would make a lot of sense is is to treat the Supreme Court more like a circuit court of appeals in the sense that you, you know, depending on the caseload, most circuit courts of appeals have a designated number of judges, and it's kind of based on the number of cases that get appealed, number of. The population within their circuit, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, some circuits cover a bunch of states, and then you have the D.C. Court of Appeals only covers the District of Columbia. You know, uh, so um, you know, we could certainly treat them like a, a court of appeals. We could appoint a proper number of, of judges for 
you know, a court of appeals and, you know, you could start out with a panel argument, which you do at the court of appeals level, which is three judges. And then, you know, if there was truly a, an epic issue and not just a, you know, following existing law type scenario, you could ask for what's called on bank or in bank, however, whatever your accent is, whatever your level of arrogance, um, <laughs> and you know, ask the whole court here a particular issue. I mean, in that scenario, you're probably talking about you know, 15 to 20 judges in total. Um, you could also limit the term of uh, you know, the Supreme Court. You could somehow, well, I'd have to go and look at that. You might not be able to change the term. Obviously, they're all entitled to a life appointment, but I don't know that the. Uh, you probably couldn't. They probably would still have to have lifetime appointments. Um, but yeah, I mean, you probably could treat it like a circuit and, and put a few more on it. But, you know, the question becomes does that just become political ping pong where ever so often you just get. Somebody says, well, I don't think it's time to put a few more folks up there, you know? Right. Um, uh, and, and which would happen, and because it's happening with everything else, uh, one side does one thing and the other side overreacts, and the other side overreacts, and suddenly we're we're here um, to, to where we Well, have. I think it comes back to kind of the sort of the core purpose of what we talked about the show was we wanted to be about what it needs to be about. Afraid we're going to be broadcasting for long in some hidden bunker somewhere with a, <laughs> you know, a broadcast antenna poking through a roof or a hole somewhere, you know, or well, doing it covertly to avoid the satellites and the drones. But uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, you know, this week has been a bad week all the way around. There's been a shit ton of violence. There's been a shit ton of crazy articles and things, news reports. You and I have talked about them, and I really was not anticipating having the entire, you know, the, the Supreme Court decision come down and kind of take everything away, right? Um, no, I wasn't. But, you know, we were talking about uh, earlier in the week, there was a number of other things that were going on. You and I had, had discussed, kicked back and forth. Um, just so much hatred, so much violence, um, and you know um, the division's getting stronger and stronger yeah. you know more and more um, you know I mean think about it it was Tuesday Tuesday of this week six days ago I shared with you the article on uh, the threats that were made against Adam Kinzinger his family mm -hmm. it was six days ago no, it seems like a hundred years today, right? Um, it, it's moving so quickly. Like I said earlier to you, um, I, I really thought the decision wasn't Friday. I thought it was earlier in the week. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, it, it, it's, it, it, no one is stepping off the gas. It doesn't seem right now that anyone cares about what may be triggered by any of these actions but you know no. I mean Adam Kinzinger they wrote the man's wife a letter in fucking one tooth hillbilly fucked up spelling redneck motherfucker language mm -hmm. I mean I can just see the fucking dude that wrote that shit right I mean mm -hmm. literally the son of a bitch couldn't spell a eight letter word but calls the man's wife says you know, calls her by her first name, says, you are truly a stupid cunt. And you're married to the fucking Antichrist. And what? You must, you know, only a stupid cunt would name their child Christian. And it was a spawn of the devil. But that's okay, you know. He's going to die soon enough, and you don't have to worry about boring him because you and Christian are going to die too. It's a fucking handwritten note mailed to the man's house 
because he has the integrity to point out that, hey, maybe sedition, treason, you know, and attempting to overthrow the government might not be good for the country. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, uh, it's... I don't know how anyone defends that thing. I like you. You can't rush a federal building when you disagree with something. Like we have walls up for like, and conservatism, as I follow it, and I've said on previous dep- episodes that, that I am conservative. It's all about organization. That's the whole principle. And that was the most disorganized thing I'd seen. Well, I mean, look, you know, the inmates are on the asylum at this point. Yeah. I mean, the people that are making the most noise are the ones who are also wearing the tinfoil hats. Mm-hmm. Get back to QAnon and all that stuff. But unfortunately, we're up against the clock. Um, as, as I said earlier, we can a joke to you, but it's a dead serious. You know, if you, if you were baptized in the name of the AR-15 sedition and war, you might not be a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Pacifism, I believe, was a big part of it as I follow my Christianity. Um, I do want to say uh, we're going to talk about something happy as we as we wrap up here because our podcast is live and I'm looking at our analytics right now and they look good. Um, we're available everywhere you get your podcast. It's uh, unfucked. U-N-F-U-K-T. Uh, talk about some of the locations that have listened to us so far. Um, of course, where we're broadcasting locally or where we're uh, where both laugh and I live I'm not gonna name that city because we want um, want to uh, be a bit mysterious there but also we prefer not anybody write us any letters <laughs> that's, or right. letters. that's right so we're just gonna keep because that see up. I'm not quite as calm as Adam Kinzinger if I could find the one tooth motherfucker that wrote that shit to my wife I would be in prison so <laughs> but the good news is you're a lawyer so you know um <laughs> Well, it's like I told a fellow one time a long time ago. I was a fucking redneck a long goddamn time before I was a lawyer. And if they didn't think <laughs> I'd show out, just give me one more fucking reason. As so. we've told y'all, the people in the South are crazy, and I both love them for it and and am afraid of them. <laughs> and the hair stands up on the back of my neck for it, too. Uh, Chicago. We got some listens in Chicago. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this city. It's a U.S. city. Uh Skokie? Skokie. I don't know where Skokie is. Skokie's near Chicago. Okay, that's near Chicago. Uh, then I'm assuming Crystal Lake is also near Chicago? Yes, it's a suburb of Chicago. All right, well, the Chicago area seems to like us. Um, also, one person in Berlin. So, shout out to Berlin, Germany. Uh, then we get some light hits uh, all across the world that didn't listen to the whole podcast. Those are just the numbers that listen to the whole podcast. Um, got some as far as uh, California, several parts around the United States. Looks like a couple of places in North Africa, which is weird. Japan. Um, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Did we get any hits in Washington, D.C.? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Zero. Oh, wait. No, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Uh, maybe two. Maybe two, but they didn't listen to all of it. Uh, Ashburn, and I don't know if that's in Maryland or Virginia. And then looks like uh, someone, someone did click in the city of Washington. How about that? Amazing. So uh, these are encouraging numbers, and I really uh, am looking at this for the first time as we're recording right now, and uh, this looks good, and I'm about to boost up some stuff on it tonight, so very good. Well, good. I'm glad to know that the word is beginning to spread. Now all we need to do is pour some gasoline on it and get it to as many ears as possible. So if you're one of those listeners and... You think that what we're saying makes sense and you think other folks ought to hear it? Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell anybody that ain't bad shit crazy that might actually want to see something other than this country burnt to the ground. Yep, let's those will be the folks we're looking for. We, we like reasonable people who have who want to have discussions. Because the the end of the day, the goal is hey, the, 
We, we like people that would like to have a boring government that just handles oh. shit and gets it right. That's yeah, that would the be goal. Awful. Yeah, we need, we're going to focus uh, on living our 80 to 100 years, God willing, having a decent family and everyone having enough food, electricity, and all that good stuff. That's, that's the goal, and uh, we'll, we'll navigate the nonsense till then. Uh, we're up against it. We hit 60 minutes, so laugh. It is always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Always. Even on the tough days. Even on the tough days. Remember, unfucked.com and wherever you get your podcast, uh, stay reasonable and, and drink a lot of water. It's hot out there. This is Unfucked. Unfucked.com and wherever you get your podcast. <laughs>